This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, what happened? Oh, here we go. We're recording. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Lance. Co-hosting with me today is... And our amazing, fantastic guest today is Donna R. Mercer. Woo! Yay! Let's talk about what we're drinking first. So I did something completely wildly inappropriate to a Starbucks drink. And um, so it's a London Fog Latte, but I put like two, maybe four shots of Honey Jack in it because basically it made like a weird hot toddy. No judgment. No judgment. Um, Jen, what are you drinking today? Many colors. Oh, many, many colors. Okay, Donna, what are you drinking? I am actually drinking vodka. It's Ooh, pink. look at that bottle. I know, this is wonderful. It's like, I, this way I can tell everybody I'm drinking pink lemonade and leave off the vodka part, but it's like, it's mixed with some Sprite, so I completely won't be drunk in five minutes. It'll at least take me half an hour. Okay, that's perfect. I love that. That'll be both of us. So it'll be fantastic. Okay. What? I said wonderful. Yes. Yes. Twinsies. Okay. Let's first, um, for the audience out there who may not know you, can you talk a little bit about what you write? I write, um, with this pen name, I write mostly contemporary IR and some paranormal romance. Um, most of my story, um, take place in my version of Colorado Springs, Colorado, because it's like everybody thinks when they think of Colorado, they think of Denver, you know, yeah. there's a whole big old state out here. So um, somehow my husband thinks I'm an alcoholic because all my books usually tend to having alcohol involved. So this is why this is perfect for me because it's like, um, I'm all about the drinks. And he doesn't understand it's actually based on real life because um, we met in a bar. Hello. We remember we met over shots of tequila. So that's. <laughs> that, I think that's a perfect beginning to any romance story or, you know, erotica story. Either way, it can go either way, but I'm sure it was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So when did you start writing? I actually started writing about four years ago. Oh, new yeah. Writer. Huh? New writer. Yes, new writer. And um, the reason why I actually started writing is because um, I have two children. And at the time, my son was 18. And um, I had just found out because him and my husband got in an argument. I just found out that he had married his girlfriend four months prior and didn't tell us. Oh, Wow. Yeah, so I was highly pissed off and I had to get it out. So I just sat down and started writing. And I, that's how I ended up writing my first novel, Jericho. Oh, wow. Yeah, and of course it had alcohol involved because it's a Club Envy novel. <laughs> I love it, I love it. So that's how I ended up. And then I just kept writing from there. Did you ever write when you were younger? Did you want to be a writer? Like, how do you get to, I, I love the genesis of this story. Mm -hmm. I truly love the genesis of this story, but I'm trying to figure out how we got to that was the reaction that you had to this situation. Because I can think of like 
five I would have before that at least, mm-hmm. but maybe 500, some involve a police car anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I did write when I was younger and I was all about being creative and writing. And then one day in this this, I kicked myself for this, but I had one of my teachers read a story I had written. And the response I got back from her was to stick to what I know. Oh. And so that really put me off of um, writing for the longest time. And then I um, met a friend in college. I made a friend in college who her, her goal was to be an editor. And so I started picking up writing here and there again. And then I took a creative writing class. And so I would do the assignments there, but I had never actually sat down to write a novel again since way back in junior high school. And so it's like, um, like I said, when I found out my, my son being married, it really, I just had to get the feeling out and it just came out in a story. So yeah, and you know, I attended NaNoWriteMo several times, but I never actually finished it. Me so. too. I'm going to admit, I, I attempt it almost every year, and I haven't quite nailed that yet. That's one of my, my bucket list items, is to actually nail NaNoWriMo, like actually accomplish that goal. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, you go, yeah, I'm going to do that, and then like the 26th rolls around, and I'm like, but you get some writing done and that's the point. Yeah, you do. You do get some writing done. It's great. I'm just saying I would like to, okay, she says this from the place that she's actually done this so she can shut the hell up. Like, not this year. No. <laughs> okay. So, you know, it's interesting. So when I hate to hear that teachers say anything, like if you're out there and you're listening and you're a teacher, you guys got to encourage kids in the creative arts, even if they're not something you want to read or you don't think they're the greatest. Instead, give them some skill sets, how to improve. Don't tell them to stick to what they know. I would like to find that teacher and jump punch them because that's terrible to do to anybody. I'm pretty sure by now she's dead. <laughs> Let's. I, don't want to I know that was horrible. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, she had put me off writing for a long time and I, I regret it. I feel that if I would have got back in it earlier that I might have produced more, but I think um, it came along at the right time of my life when I needed it. Well, it also sounds like your kiddos were a little bit older. So that's also different finding time. We have a lot of writer friends who have younger kids and finding time with younger kids to write is also, that's its own, its own tackling thing that you have to do. So Let's talk. Okay. So you've been writing for four years. How many books have you written? Um, lots. No, but um, I have 13 out that are actually published. Wow. Yeah. That is tremendous. That is amazing. That's uh, a year. Like, I'm like, I look and it's like, I'd be, I'm like, I wrote that many. When did I write all these books? <laughs> but, How many are unpublished? Huh? How many have you written that are not published yet? Um, I have seven that are not published. So you've written 20 books in four years. Yes. How, how, like, how much of your day is writing? You know, honestly, in the past year, very minimal. It's very, very minimal because it's like 
in my, my alter ego is a nurse. And so when oh. COVID hit, life changed a lot. And so I haven't done much writing. I'm just starting to get back into writing um, every day now. So I, I try to take an hour in the morning before I get up and get going for my nurse duty to write. And then I try to write at least a half an hour after I get off of work. So I, I get some writing time in there, but it all depends on the other job, you know, because it's like it, the ups and downs and stuff. And I get phone calls at all hours of night from my um, nursing coworkers asking crazy questions because it's like, lucky me, I took a job as an infection control nurse four days before they announced COVID hitting. So I'm like, Wah! <laughs> wow, that is, um, how do you even stage that? Like if you wrote that in a book, nobody would believe it. They'd go, there is no way that happened. It, it, it was, it was a shock to my system because it's like, I keep telling my boss, I don't even know what my job is. All I know is COVID. And she's like, that's your job. <laughs> wow. Is it for it's, I, I just have to ask this because you know, the news, you can't trust the news with anything. Um, you know, it's talking more and more how it's lessening and lessening. Are you actually seeing that or it's not really changed recently? Actually, it is, it is lessening because I work in long-term care and our biggest fear was that we were going to lose half of our residents to um, the corona. And so we worked diligently. I mean, there was times that we would put in 12 hours, go home and there'd be emergency and we'd turn around and be right back there to do another 12 hours. And so I think all of our hard work paid off because overall we only lost eight patients out of 88 to Rona. That's, that's actually as bad as it sounds to say, that is a great statistics. That's amazing. That's very well done. And thank you for everything you've done because you guys that were on the front lines of this, you know, we can complain sitting in our houses being mad that we don't have enough toilet paper, but we weren't in the thick of it. So it's, <laughs> It sounds very first world problems when you're like, I can't wipe my butt. That's my <laughs> biggest problem. <laughs> I know. And see, we would complain. We're complaining now. It's like, dude, we need a vacation. Why can't we catch the Rona? And it's like, my coworker is like, because we were all stupid, we're vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so, so we just can't win for losing. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So do you think that you'll end up putting this into your, your writing at all? Like, would you write about a, a, a nurse? Um, I do write um, some medical types, um, medical things in my book, like in my book, Sebastian, it's, um, it's a Club Envy novel, but it takes place in a trauma center, a fictional trauma center. And um it, my brother, he, this is the book my brother proofread for me. And he's like, I'm going to disown you. And I'm like, why are you disowning me? He's like, because you invented a drug and you're dealing it in this book and the FBI are coming for us, the DEA. I'm not losing my nursing license because you're over here writing about drugs and how to sell them and steal them from the hospital. I'm like, well, Sorry. <laughs> it, 
fiction. That's it. That's the best part about most of us who do writing. Like I joke with my friends all the time. I'm like, when I get arrested, you need to go take my books down to the police center and show <laughs> them that I'm a writer. Cause otherwise I'm going to jail for a really, really long time. If they go through my search history and stuff like that, <laughs> cause I write horror. So it's like, how does a body decompose in the sun? How long does it take? What happens exactly? <laughs> Yeah, and see, and the research, that's what's going to get us, because I was just researching, because before Corona had hit, I I was um, plotting a story that is a sci-fi romance that takes place in the future on a generation ship, and it's, um, has a virus comes through that sweeps in that, that they're trying to find um, the cure for but in part of it, this ship is blown up, a section of it's blown up. And so I'm up here researching bombs, how to make bombs out of household ingredients. I'm like, oh, now I'm on a terrorist watch list. So you're dealing drugs and you're, <laughs> and you're a terrorist. Wow, you know what? I, I'm not even sure how you top that. You should research like I did how long it takes for bodies to decompose in certain circumstances. What do I plant in my garden that will decompose a body? And you can just do the trifecta and then they can just show up and go, we're not even sure what you did, but we know we need to talk to you. <laughs> oh my goodness. So um, when you're, so do you, you do series obviously, right? Do you write series? Yes. I don't know how that happened. It just comes along because it's like, usually I have the idea for the first book and something happens while I'm writing the first book that it's like, oh, I need to write this one afterwards. And it just keeps going. And so, yes, I do series. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, when you're, when you sit down for that hour in the morning, how much writing do you get done? Um, I usually get about 5,000 words. Yes, because yes, yes. I'm packing up. This show's over. I'm done. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. What the fuck I, ever? I'm not saying that they're always usable words, but yeah. It doesn't matter. I would like to put half of that down as even somewhat usable words. Well, because it's like I don't, uh, I can, you know, talk faster than I write. So I use voice to text. And oh. that's how I get it down. It's like, oh. in the, it's like, and then in the middle and, you know, okay, because um, I use dragon speak um, and you know that you can like in certain versions of dragon speak, you can make a recording. Like say, if I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I make uh, idea hit me, I make a recording on my phone and then I upload it to dragon speak and it just takes what I recorded on my phone and puts it in words. And so I, I cheat. Yeah, no, that if you can do that, I, it's been a long time since I tried this, but I got dragon naturally speaking, cause I do talk a lot faster than I write mm -hmm. and a lot faster than I write, but I tried for three weeks to train it. And the amount of going back and having to correct stuff was driving me so crazy that I was like, nope, I can't do it. But then again, it's been years, so maybe the technology is much better now. It's probably like captions. You still have to go through and fix it. Like when you caption a video or something, you have to go through and like fix all your... Yeah, no, I'm sure you still have to fix it. But my text is pretty good. I do a lot of voice texting. Of course, my friends know when I'm voice texting because it makes up words and stuff like that. Uh -huh. 
Well, and it's the same concept, you know, it's like, you know, when you voice text, if you are voice texting and it clears it up, it, it does get better. And I like it because, and then um, I had read a book on how to train your, um, the dragon naturally speak. And that actually helped a lot because it says some of the settings that they naturally set up there, you have to undo. Oh, wow. Well, because anybody listening who goes, I want to try this. What was the name of that book? Oh, sure. Make me look up something. Now you're going to make me look. God, you know. Is it How to Train Your Dragon? Because that's funny. That would be amazing <laughs> if it was How to Train Your Dragon. I'd get very confused, though, I think. It'd be version three, How to Train. Well, no, there is three of them out, aren't there? There's four. There's a new one that just came out. Really? Yes, a new one. Something of clans? I don't know. Something, yeah. Yeah, there's something. Toothless. You got to love Toothless. Everybody loves Toothless. Yeah. Yeah. all right i'll find it for you okay okay let's continue on okay. so um that was the idea for your first book your son getting married for four months and not telling you is he still uh -huh. married did that work he's still married okay perfect good 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 yeah. okay um just wasn't sure if you, then you wrote the follow-up book called That Was a Really Poor Choice on Your Part. I don't think that would be the title, but that could be cool. <laughs> they they actually work together. They're dumb and dumber, but, you know, they're dumb in their different ways. So they, they mesh. <laughs> well, so. that is wonderful. Um, so where do you get the inspiration from your books? Do you have to have traumatic things happen in your life or do you become inspired elsewhere now? I, I become is inspired elsewhere. Sometimes it's just um, things that happen. Sometimes it's things I find on Facebook. <laughs> like I don't envy those novels. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's how I wrote Studying Axel is... Um, which is about a convict who um, starts a business called the Inappropriate Date Agency. And his job is to go and be an asshole. And you oh. hire, and he goes and he goes to a family dinner as your date and he's just a complete asshole. And you pay him for it. And I came across an ad on Facebook advertising exactly that. And I'm like, oh my God, I can write this. I, I can write this. <laughs> Sometimes life is way stranger than fiction. Uh-huh. I'm trying to think why you would want to hire somebody to yeah. be a horrible date. So what was what, what was, was the reason in your book? Yeah. Because um the main the female main character, her mom was pushing her to marry an appropriate guy because she, her her mom's idol was June Cleaver. Oh. Every woman needed to be married and popping out kids and at home taking care of their husband. And she didn't want to do that. But her mom kept pushing her and pushing her. And then their um, Thanksgiving dinner was coming up and it was a family affair. And mom had invited a guy to be her date for Thanksgiving dinner. And she was like fed up. She wasn't, she didn't want to do it. So she hired Axel to come and be her date for dinner. So she brought a burly ex-con to dinner. That uh, is awesome and amazing. And then, of course, hilarity and romance ensued, as it should. Do, do your books have happy endings? 
I tried to. Yeah, I, I like a happy ending. It's like, I'm a sucker for a happy ending. I, I can't deny it. It's like, everybody should find love and live happily ever after. So, yeah. yeah, well, she's with you. And so are most romance readers. Most romance readers want a happy ending or at least happy for now and get very pissed off when that's not the case. Uh, that's me. I get pissed off. And oh, I hate cliffhangers. Oh, really? Yes, I hate cliffhanger. I'm like, I want to know now. I don't want to wait. Tell me. <laughs> don't make me come to your house and find you. <laughs> Where can I get the rest of this book or the next book immediately? So do you when you, do you never write cliffhangers yourself? Then you write series. Yeah, but I never write cliffhangers. No. Nope. Wow. Was there one in particular that you read where you were like, oh, no. Oh, I have read many books. Yeah. And luckily for this lady, she had all three parts out because I was coming for her. I'm like, because it's like when I start reading and it's a really good book, I'm like, what do you mean that she's waiting for him? No, there's no waiting. It needs to continue. Uh oh, Amber Alert, there's kidnapping kids. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we're looking at her phone. She's in mountain time. She's in Colorado. Yeah. Why the hell do we just do that? We're in Florida. Let's see if we get that Amber Alert. We're getting it. There's a bigger problem there. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, it's, it's, it is interesting that you say that because I think, you know, I remember Jen has a series out that's um, a vampire romance series and she had a lot of fun with book two because I made her Empire Strikes Back that ending. I was like, you need to cliffhanger this ending. So oh, so hard. so hard. And then she 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 did what I call the Lord of the Rings ending where she like cliffhangered it and then had another ending and then another ending. And I'm like, no, like it's one <laughs> ending. Just stop. I can if I'm going to do this. So you're just going to keep them on the hook. That's it. Yeah, I'm a, well, I'm a big fan of Empire Strikes Back endings for series, as long as the author continues to write. As long yeah. as the author continues to write, I'm good to go. If you pause, though, I'm like, what in the fuck are you doing? Like, you can't Empire Strikes Back me and then not put another book out and not put when the next book in the series is coming. If I know it's coming, I'm okay. If you, like, put a series, like, it, and that's where it gets a little interesting for me, which will lead to my next question before the break, is mm -hmm. I always look to see what books are out from the authors. I have a very hard time with one book authors. I have a very hard time with one book authors because I don't know if that's just going to be it. Now, if it's a standalone, it's okay. Mm -hmm. But if it has any sort of series potential, I'm like, um, I'm going to need you to have more than one book out because I don't want to get invested and you have one book. And see, and that's what a lot of my readers said. They're like, um, yeah, I'm already in this. So I need, I need you to hurry up and write. And it's like, so when I didn't write this past year, I, I got some messages like, um, are you ever going to finish or put out the next book? And so I had rushed to put out the next book and didn't like it and ended up pulling it from the shelf. And I'm like, no, I won't do it again. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, it's interesting that you say that. Well, we got to take a break. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back on 
you're rushing and stuff because it's an interesting standpoint from an for an author. So we will be right back with drinking with authors. This is the voice of Drinking with Authors. You are at our commercial break, and our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Okay, now we're back. So um, let's talk, before the break, we were talking a little bit about that you wrote a book, you wrote it fast, you put it out, then you pulled it back, right? Yes. It's very interesting because I think, you know, we get the opportunity to talk to a lot of self-published authors, and we've also talked to a lot of authors who've been in the business for a very long time. So they know their pace, they know their whatever. But it's interesting because so you rush to do this because the fans are going, hey, get this book done. We need this book right away, right? Mm-hmm. What, what made you go, this is this is garbage. I'm pulling it. You know what I mean? I. It was a feeling. It was an internal feeling that I had that I'm like, you know, even though they're like, oh, it's okay. I'm like, I don't want it to be okay. I want it to be great. I want you to hee-haw your ass all the way through it and laugh like I do when I write them. And it's like when I was writing this, I wasn't getting that same feeling of laughter and fun that I got when I wrote the first one. And I'm like, nah, this is shit. <laughs> did you did you have beta readers? Did you have anybody else read it before you were like, nope, I'm pulling it? I do have beta readers and they're like, yeah, it's okay. But I'm like, I don't want okay. They're like, cool. Well, you're, you know, you're publishing something that's that's good. You put words on a paper. We're excited. There's a cover. Thanks for doing. <laughs> so you know, do you it's do? like, uh, what do you do um, now that you've pulled? Like, are you just going to revise it and then re-publish? Like, what's your plan? Yeah, I'm gonna. I I think I'm gonna rewrite it completely. And oh, not salvageable, huh? No, no, no. I wanted I wanted to go a different way than what it went. Because it's like when I read it, it's like, oh, this is just like a million other books out there. There's nothing unique about it. Oh wow. And that's that's I mean, but that's a you know, you put all that work into it to pull it. That's that takes a strong, you know, sense of integrity on that, I think. I think that's very admirable to pull yeah. it. Yeah, and because it's like, I'm like, I think about it, it's like, if I'm going to pay my money for a book, I want something worth spending that money on. And that's how I feel. And so it's like, that's, I want to give my readers something worth spending their money on because they work hard for their money. And it's like that, the fact that I, I feel honored that they choose to spend their hard earned money on something I produce. So I want to make sure they get the best that I have. And it's like, like, especially this last year, I just don't think I had the focus to give the best that I could. So it makes perfect sense. I just think it's really admirable that you did that because you could have just been like, nope, I'm putting out a book. Here's a book. 
You know, I think there's sometimes we've all had this where we have a series or something we're reading and you could tell the writer phoned it in. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they, they didn't put either they didn't want to write it anymore. I don't know if they were having a bad time, whatever going on in their life, but the next book and you're kind of like, meh, this is not great. You know, and you can lose an audience doing that too, because you know, that happens maybe one time you might be okay, but it happens more than once. You're definitely going to lose that audience if they, you know, yeah. Point are spending their hard earned money. Are you a hundred percent self-published? Yes. Okay. What made you decide to not query and do that whole thing? Too much work. <laughs> there are a lot of people that would say what you did is too much work. So what made <laughs> you decide to self-publish though? Like what, what made you go, you know, I can do this. Cause there's a lot to it. People don't realize it's not just like, you know, you're mystically creating everything yourself. So what made you decide to go that way? Honestly, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> so I'm just like, I was like winging it. And then I um, met up with another author, Saren Allen, and she had invited me to be part of her group. And I just learned so much from her. And um, is um, she, I, I learned the ins and out of self-publishing because like you said, you, it's not that you just have to put the book up there and say, hey, buy me, buy me, buy me. You have to put in the work for the marketing and all that. And so I learned how to do Facebook marketing and Amazon marketing and those Google ads and all that stuff to get it out there to the people. And I, I and plus I wanted 100% control over my books because it's like, this is me, nobody else. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Do you have audiobooks? Did you open no. that arena yet? No, I haven't. I haven't gone to that yet. It's like, and I don't know if I ever actually will get to audiobooks because personally, I don't like audiobooks myself. I like to read You're it. I to say that. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Mm. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> a lot of people um, use audio. Like I even use audiobooks when I'm driving, Jen, audiobooks, podcasts, you know. You could, you know, people should listen to drinking with authors while driving, for instance, hypothetically, but um, I find it's easier when driving, but you know, what's interesting is I look at it and I go, we're not commuting anymore. I had a lot of listeners who said, yeah, I used to listen to you all the time on my way home from work. It would make me relax, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, you still have your phone and headphones. So go for a walk at the end of your day and listen to the podcast or listen to it while you're doing dishes and stuff like that. The one thing about audiobooks I will say is you can multitask. Like if you have a mundane task you have to do, kind of like listening to music, you can listen to audiobooks. But that's an arena in and of itself on how to do it because Amazon with ACX kind of tried to corner the market on how you get it done. Uh-huh. It's it's very much like self-publishing. You have to learn all the ins and outs of doing it, you know. Yeah, and it's like I I didn't feel I had the time right now to learn how to do audiobooks. And because you you have to find the right person to read your book and then it's like there's just uh no. <laughs> it is a tremendous amount of work. I agree with you 1000%. So, let's talk a little bit so you write 5 million words first thing in the morning and generate a book a day. <laughs> 
That's really what I heard earlier. I don't know if that's what you said, but that's what I heard. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your process. Do you plot out your book? So you get an idea of what happens. Like you're sitting there, you're people watching, you're looking at weird Facebook ads. I'm not even going to ask why that popped up as an ad option for you because we know they're all spying on you. So we're going to let that go. But yeah, were you searching that popped up that ad? But um, what, where do, how does it start? So let's talk about your process. Um, I used to be a pantser, a really bad pantser. And then I would get stuck and I'd be like, eh. So I'm, I'm more of a hybrid. I'm outlining. And um, I actually just finished reading a book that says right from the middle. It was, oh. that's, it was right from the middle. And I'm like, you know, this concept could actually work for me. And so I'm going to try that for my next book and see how that one turns out. But um, when, even when I outline, I get stuck in the outline because it's like, if I want to do it, I want to do it from beginning to end. And I can't because sometimes I hit the middle idea and I have to go out way. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people do that with outlining. I think outlining for some people, like, you know, we've had writers, Jeff Strand is one of my favorites. He will outline and then perfectly methodically write that book to the outline. Like he plots it, he writes it exactly, but he's, I, I always joke that he's a method, he's a method author. Like he's very like into it and he just does it. The characters don't get to guide him anywhere. He's like, I am the boss of you and you're going to do what I say. But the majority of people I know that do outlining and consider themselves a little bit of a planter, meaning they're not writing a whole ridiculous, you know, 50,000 word outline to write their 75,000 word story, which I still don't ever understand. But they, a lot of people just use the outline and didn't, it does go left. Sometimes it might come back and then maybe it goes, you know, the other direction and then it's, it gets hazy in the middle. But as long as you, you have the method, I don't think you have to follow the outline. I think a lot of people don't. I think they just use it to when it's good for them. And then if they get stuck after they've gone left, they can go back and go, oh, what are the other things I wanted to add into the book? But most people I know outline, the outline is nothing like what the book is when they're done. Yeah, and that's the, sometimes my characters just run off and I just have to chase them down and say, what are we doing, y'all? It's like, you know, help a homie out here. It's like, so, so I, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes, and it's like, sometimes, you know, it's like, like you said, I observe what's going on in around my world. And I'm like, okay, so what if they did this instead of this? then this would lead to this and 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 boom, we got us a story. <laughs> so do you, do you have a list of story ideas? Oh, I have uh, one, one note notebook full of them. And then the seven books that you haven't published yet, are they in the, uh, the story graveyard? Or are they soon coming? Do they need to be tweaked? Do they need to be tossed? Like where, where, where are we at here? Well, they were like stories that I had written for an anthology that I want to go back and fill in more, more to blanks. And so um, one of them, I was just thinking of putting out with, you know, Amazon Vela, but you know, Amazon is like, I don't, I don't like to get caught up in completely Amazon. I like to be wide. And so 
anything that says it's exclusive to Amazon lately has been making my head itch. No, we're, we're firm believers in not doing that. The only thing I ever recommend putting up on just Amazon only is if you have a really short little story that you want to almost basically give away like 99 cents. It's an intro story into your work and stuff mm -hmm. it up on Kindle Unlimited. But I think, you know, especially the way publishing's going and more and more stuff. Like I was reading an article today where there's some legislature. I don't know that it's going to go anywhere, but they want to take apart the monopolies that Amazon and stuff like that are. Now, yes. That's what I was believing. And that's why I, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. And so I've always been wide from the beginning, except for like my in, inappropriate date agency. That's in Amazon Unlimited. That's in Kindle Unlimited. But everything else is wide because I'm like, they're, Amazon's about to go the way of Mod Bell. And it's like, oh <laughs> you know... Yeah, no, no, I agree 100%. So um, when you're sitting down, what do you, so I'm, I'm, did you hire editors? How do you, what is your process? So take us through, you've written the book. Yeah, and then I send it off to my editor. And then I explain all the things she doesn't understand because she's like 12 years old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so she doesn't get some of the slang that I use because I'm like, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and she's just, she's highly educated. She's um, in the military, and I'm just like, but some of the things, she's like, what does this mean? And I'm like, oh, you are such a baby. But yeah, and then. Yeah, I was going to say, why don't you Google it before you reach out to you and ask? <laughs> well, and so, and so I send it to her and she sends it back to me with all her little notes and stuff. And then when I get it back from her with all her little notes, then that version I have to send to my sister-in-law because then my sister-in-law will read through it and she'll be like, no, she crazy. Leave that alone. Leave that alone. And so it's a battle between the editor and the sister-in-law to see who wins. <laughs> that is awesome. At least you're not in the middle of that cage match. No, and then I, between the two of them, I fix it, and then I send it back to her, and she reads it again, and then it's like when she gives it the okay, off it goes to be published, and then I get my lovely little ARC readers to read it and give me feedback and all that stuff, and we have fun. It sounds like you have fun. Do you have a really good street team, do you feel like? Um. Yeah, yeah, they're dedicated, and they have no problem telling me that what I write is shit. <laughs> it is like, and that's what I want. I want honesty from them. Oh, and no, that's, I, if you're going to be in a street team, if you're a, a reader out there and you want to be in a street team, authors are always looking for street team, but make sure you're in a street team for an author that writes what you like to read, that you've mm -hmm. read a lot of that particular genre that's available. Not all of it's available, but uh, available. And then be honest. The author, we get tons of people that tell us we're awesome. We, we also get some people that tell us we're not awesome. But both ends of that spectrum can be completely useless. Yeah. Stroking or deflating the ego because. I don't read this genre, so I'm going to give this a two star. <laughs> Why are you here? Oh, the ones that always get me is the, the you know, when authors put warnings on their, their, um, 
blurb and stuff. And so they warn you ahead of time that this is going to take place. But then the review comes and it's like, oh, I can't believe that happened. Um, oh my God, she needs to go to hell for that. I was like, bitch, why are you read it? See, look, the alcohol's kicking in. <laughs> no, I think it's brilliant. I mean, it's true. And I think that if you're looking at reviews for books, you got to completely ignore the reviews for the book where the person doesn't like the genre or something. Like, I don't care how many stars they give, but, you know, it's when you give low stars to something, be constructive and have it be because the writing is, you feel actually bad because you can spot grammar mistakes and stuff like that. That's great. But uh, and anyway, reviewers, they annoy the shit out of me when they're not useful because cool, you think my book's great, but what was great? So when I write the sequel, I know what to put in the sequel because you tell me what you thought was great about it. Yeah, and if you hate something, tell me what you hate. Not just, I hate it because I don't like this genre. It's like, then why'd you read it? Cool. So not changing the story at all for you. Thank you. So you you write interracial. Yes. What made you decide to write interracial? Because that's what I know. Because I'm married to the whitest white guy there is. <laughs> Well, and I think that's awesome. I, I know we got to contact you through um, the, you know, the interracial um, conference that occurred. Kasana and all of her, her glory and awesomeness. I love her to death. She's been on the podcast. Uh -huh. um, you know, and when you started four years ago, so you weren't quite when it was still considered like erotica stuff when you had interracial which I think is hysterical to me that anyone would ever that's that's an erotica category I, I, I don't get it I, I don't get it <laughs> but yeah so no it's like when I think it was pretty well established as this own thing when I started writing it and it's like but this I read a variety of things but I um I find I get pissed off when I start reading, especially if I'm reading a series of things, like they have like 20 books in the series and it's like, everybody is white in the series. I'm like, you know, can we have some Hispanic people? Can we get some Asian people? Can we get some black people? Can we get a variety? Because it's like, I'm sorry, there's a whole slew of people out there you kind of wonder where they set the stage for that, that there isn't anybody else. You just mm -hmm. go, the entire town, fine, we got it. Your main characters are white, cool. So this entire town, which you're saying is New York City, has no other races in it. Yes. Yes, that's <laughs> it. And it's like, even in Colorado, because we have five military bases around where I live, you see a variety of people. It's like, so it's just, it's, it's not just homogeneous. It's a hodgepodge of people. And that's what the world's about. And that's what I think people like to read about. Well, people who like to get out of their comfort zone. Well, I think, you know, I was talking about this um, a little bit, actually, with Kasana when I was talking to her, because one of the things I think that people underestimate, there was this really good um, uh, statistic thing that came out recently about how many um readers and what the readers are and I think part of the problem is we and it's it's happening and I want it to happen more I'm I'm a firm believer we run a publication company and the, the whole publication companies around own voice is that 
we have to publicize it more because people don't necessarily know it's out there. Right. So when you go, you know, 60% of the readership is white women, for instance, in the romance genre. Right. Um, That's because, and it's not that white women don't want to read these books. It's like getting it out there and going, hi, this book exists. Mm -hmm. And we see that because for instance, we publish a lot of um, male, male erotica written by men, not women, which is like a whole thing there. I mean, don't get me wrong, but if you look up most male, male erotica, it's written by white women. And I'm like, that's, that's fascinating. But, um, you know, you put it out there and it's, and you do a little publication, uh, you know, a publicity around it and it's at the number one on Amazon. You know what I mean? And you go, that's because there's not enough of it out there and not enough of it's being talked about. And then you think about it. It's like, how is it different when it's written by white women as opposed by a male who may have experienced it, what we're writing? Exactly. And it's interesting. Some people do it very, very well. Don't get me wrong. You know, Jen writes about vampires and, and werewolves and stuff like that. And Jen Woo-hoo! likely was not a werewolf, but she is a vampire. She's actually legitimately allergic to sun, so she can talk about the vampire part of it. She doesn't drink blood, though, so she's kind of a boring vampire. But you know, but I I go. We can write about these. You absolutely can write about these things. But at the same time, I'm a firm believer in do the right research, do the right justice to the story so that when you're writing it you make sure you know the other person's perspective that you're writing Mm -hmm. from yeah and that's it and it's like you have to do your research you just can't say oh well this is how my life would go but it's like is it the person that the ethnic person you're writing about is that truly how it would go in their life exactly you know, asking the question so that you're not saying something that is just like what like that wouldn't ever happen why kind of like being a new job and then four days later you <laughs> I'm like oh. what? I'm like thanks guys for coming up with the pandemic just to welcome me aboard I love ya <laughs> yeah no it's I I work in HR and that whole pandemic thing like we did we did pandemic planning we did pandemic disaster planning but it was always a hate to uh, now saying it sounds horrible but it was kind of a joke like uh-huh. like the thought of a pandemic ever coming through you're like okay well we'll do you know check this box check this box this is what we do ha 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 what the no there was no using the book the book was useless when it came to that i was like this is what we're gonna do everybody go the fuck home just everybody take your computer go the fuck home that's what we're gonna do you know that was a and the thing that always pissed me off is that the people were making that were making policies they were sitting at home they would have these zoom meetings like this they'd be sitting at home in their fuzzy slippers yelling at the dog while we're in there at the facility taking care of these people and like, well, we want you to make sure that you are checking everybody's temperature on the hour. I was like, you know how many temperatures it is? Stop making policies for that you are not gonna do. It's like No, I I it's interesting. I always tell people when they come into an especially executive role, I'm go. I always tell them, go sit with everybody that works in your downline. I don't care. Go sit with every job 
that's in your downline so you understand what it takes to do the job. I don't expect you to do the job, but go sit there for a little while and understand what it takes, especially further down the downline, to understand mm -hmm. what they're going through before you come up with some ridiculous idea that's just going to break everything because you think you know better than the person actually doing the job, which, by the way, nobody ever does know better than the person who's actually doing the job. Yeah. You have bright ideas to help because you can see it from a different angle, but you're never going to know more than the person doing the job. I can tell you this right now. I, if I was, if we were all three put in McDonald's right now and they're like, you need to do the McDonald's stuff, we would be fucked. Like we could make up stuff, but we'd have no idea where anything is, how they do it, how the machines work. We're smart women. We could figure some stuff out, but let me just tell you, there would be no orders in five minutes or less being handed to anybody. No, they'd get a slice of pizza because that's what I did. I called out for pizza. Yeah, we'll be like, you can have pepperoni or a Supreme from Domino's. That's what we figured out. <laughs> we do know how to make the soda machine work mostly. You yes. get Diet Coke. We've got that one working. <laughs> And we figured out the uh, apple pies that were already cooked. So we have those. <laughs> but no. anything else, your, your SOL. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so what is the latest book that came out for you? It's, I'm sure, not the one that you put out and then pulled back. What is the newest book that has come out? The latest book I actually put out was um, In the Nick of Time, and that was around Christmas, and Must Love Candy Cane. Those two were um, Christmas novels that I had did with my friend, Siren Allen. Um, it was part of a very alpha Christmas romance series. So yeah, I'm bad. I haven't done anything this year. <laughs> yeah, it's June. Yeah. And you know, and that's actually part of my writing cycle. I find that from January to June, I don't do crap. But from July to December, I am churning out things. And I don't, and see, that's just it. I was just talking to my cover artist and I'm like, hey, look, I need this cover. I need this cover. I need this cover because I'm going to put out this story, this story, this story. And she's like, she's like, you so cycle. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> so what is the next thing coming out? Um, the next thing that is coming out is actually, um, is called Wolf's Dagger. Okay. It's, um, it's part of a um, happily ever after um, paranormal romance. And it's about this guy. His, you know, he was, he's a wolf shifter. He was pledged to marry this chick very young and he wants out of it. And so he's going to his home, her hometown to negotiate with her to get out of this um, mating, this arranged mating. Little does he know that she wants out of the arranged mating herself and has been moonlighting as a burlesque dancer to earn extra money to pay back the bridal fee that, you know, he that Ooh. her family had to pay. And so he rolls into town thinking he's God gifts to wolf. And she's like, eh, I can do better. <laughs> I love it. So when is that expected out? The hell if I know. 
<laughs> that's not the right answer to that question. Um, I'm hoping to have it out by August. Honestly. I was going to say, because this is going to air before August and your fans are going to listen to it and go, what did she say? <laughs> what just came out of her mouth? Did she say it's not coming? She doesn't know when it's coming. <laughs> Angry emails. There's going to be some tweets. You don't know. It could. We could literally cause chaos. Oh, yes. Chaos. I'm all about chaos. Woo! <laughs> Um, no, I also, um, I, I have, um, a book coming out as part of an anthology It's called, uh, the anthology is called fighting temptation. And, um, the book that's going in that one is called sweet revenge. Very cool. Very cool. And this is where the alcohol comes out because there's a bourbon, a strawberry bourbon called sweet revenge. It is delicious. I'll have to try that. I've never tried a, a flavored bourbon now that I think about it. I mean, yes. smoke flavored and stuff, but not as I'm staring at all my liquor on my, it's ridiculous. I don't, you do a podcast called Drinking with Authors and everybody's resort is like, oh, she needs more booze. And I'm, don't get me wrong. If you want to send me booze, that's fine. But um, it's funny because I have a lot of booze. <laughs> Me too, me too. My my daughter found a bottle of wine last night and she's like, where did this come from? I'm like, the fridge? <laughs> she's like, yeah, that's not what I was asking. I'm well, like, then you should have been more specific. Huh? Yeah, so um, like I said, Sweet Revenge is going to, um, it's, it's due out in September as part of the Fighting Temptation anthology. And this one is all about a chick who is dumped, you know, because it happens. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. She was dumped, and it's an interracial one. So um, she was dumped because she was a bigger, curvy girl. And her fiance was told that if he wanted to go anywhere in life, that he needed to get a more acceptable partner than she was. Oh, not good. So, not good. You know, he died. So, how? <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't die. <laughs> but, um, in this story, he comes, he, he gets, he ended up getting divorced from the acceptable partner. And so they go to this bar called Sweet Revenge and, um, and where they throw divorce parties, you know, celebrating your divorce. And that's where his brothers and friends take him. And it turns out that she owns the bar and oh. things just go sideways from there. That sounds amazing. Okay, we are coming near the end of the podcast, so I have to ask you, what advice do you have for writers out there? Write. Just write. It's like, even if you think it's crap, just keep writing. Because, and don't listen, don't read reviews. Those things are harsh. And they're usually written about people who have sad, sad moments in life and just want to bring you down. This is very true. Reviews are not helpful. That's what a street team and stuff like that. Listen to the people who really enjoy your writing because those mm -hmm. are the ones paying for it. So yeah, I always think when I, when I, I see a bad review, I'm like, thank you for buying my book. Mm -hmm. that, that's my, thank you for spending money on that. I appreciate it. Okay. So how do uh, fans find you, my friend? Where should they look to contact you? Um, I am on Facebook. It's like I have a home page, Donna R. Mercer. I have a Facebook group called Risque Raiders. And all we do is stare at half naked men. So, hey, 
That's always fun. There you go. Uh, there's I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Heck, I got a mailing list too. So Ooh, anyway. newsletter, newsletter, newsletter. Yep. Yep. So it's like, and then if you sign up for my newsletter, you also get a lovely free book called Watermelon Spice. Ooh. It's, it's so sweet. I I can't believe I actually wrote it. I'm like, oh. Well, that's okay. As long as you killed the ghostwriter so they'll never speak up, you're fine. <laughs> it's like, now that bitch is haunting me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, Donna, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so this has been Drinking with Authors. I have been your host, Erica Lance. And our guest has been Donna R. Mercer. And we will see you next time. Woohoo! Bye! <laughs>